Hey, everybody. Welcome to your Brad Total Ministries podcast. I am so glad that you have decided to join me today for a few minutes. I know that you are going to walk away from this challenged and encouraged to live your life for Christ all out. And that's what this is all about. We're going to be targeting men again today. My last two podcasts did the exact same thing. But today we're going to do something that is very, it's, it's so, so vital for men of God to grab a hold of in their life. So here we go. Are you ready? So I'm going to title this today, The Necessity of Self-Control. The Necessity of Self-Control. And we're going to take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 in just a moment. And uh, those are going to be our main uh, text for this particular talk. When it comes to the topic of self-control, when it comes to the topic of men of God, the desire of the man of God should be to be successful in life the Bible way. Not successful in life according to the world or according to the ways of the world or according to the eyes of the world, but as men of God, our desires should be to be successful the Bible way. We cannot do that if we cannot control those passions and those temptations that can dishonor, discredit, and will, can ultimately destroy you. And one of the characteristics of the last days that we're living in now is it says, we'll read here in a moment, is that people will be without self-control. In the name of freedom, you can see that in our nation, you can, uh, just it's so rampant. In the name of freedom, all kinds of immorality is excused. You just look at the news reports, all the anti-Christian themes of movies. You look at the moral erosion of television shows. The Bible clearly tells us that what it's coming to is in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, where it describes the moral conditions of the last days of society. And it all comes down to a society out of control. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, here we go, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. All of these evil behaviors in this list are examples of an absence of self-control. So I will emphatically say that Christian men should stand out as different from the evil ones who are fulfilling this biblical prophecy. We as men of God should be men of self-control. Now the Greek word for self-control that's in Galatians 5.23 where it talks about self-control being one of the fruit, uh, a part of the fruit of the spirit, it means their temperance or the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. Again, it's worth repeating. It's the virtue of one who masters his desires and his passions, especially his sensual appetites. So the very concept of self-control, it implies a battle between a divided self. It implies that our self produces desires that we should not satisfy, but we should instead control. And Paul dealt with this, but you know, every Christian man is going to deal with this. But here's the thing. 
because we are saved and because then the Holy Spirit lives in us, he brings with him the fruit of the Spirit. Again, and part of the fruit of the Spirit is one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So we don't have an excuse to not have self-control because we've been given the ability by the Spirit to control ourselves over those things that would try to destroy our lives or those things that our flesh would want us to do that would go against God's word. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Paul says there that Christians should exercise self-control like the Greek athletes. Our only goal is eternal. It's not temporal. He said in 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it for an imperishable wreath. So we're supposed to be striving to live our lives in self-control like an athlete would strive for the prize. We are supposed to be fighting tooth and nail to make sure that we are not succumbing uh, as men of God to a life of lack of self-control. We're supposed to be really challenging ourselves through prayer, through the word, through abiding with the Lord daily, that we are men who, when it comes down right to the nitty-gritty, when we have to make a decision, we make decisions of self-control. So the thing about self-control, the mention of the term self-control is going to undoubtedly bring different uh, images to each person, uh, depending on their particular circumstance or, or, or what they think about it. So, so uh, examples of a lack of self-control could be as simple as someone having a poor diet or they have a tendency to overeat. That is a lack of self-control. Uh, it may be something a lot more serious, like maybe you are a smoker, and I, I believe that smoking is unbecoming to a man of God, or drunkenness, which is unbecoming to a man of God, uh, sexual sins, which includes pornography and all the things that go under that heading. Uh, it includes a quick temper, pride, maybe a pattern of exaggerating, or someone who's lying all the time. Um, maybe you're an emotionally abusive husband or parent or physically abusive. Others need self-control because they're lazy or they have poor work habits, while some people need self-control because they're workaholics and they need self-control to back off and learn how to relax. But whatever it is, self-control is vital in Christian men. And I can speak from this, and I have, I have the, uh, the right to speak from this the way I do because I've been in the church world for, I got saved at 27. I've been serving the Lord for over three decades now, and I have done it in, as an associate pastor. I've done it as a layman in the church. I've done it as a, a pastoral staff person. I've done it as a pastor. I've done it as an evangelist. I've been in the church, and I have seen Christian men over those decades, and I've seen men who will call themselves a man of God, and that you look at their life, and you look at the way they talk, you look at the things they do, and they don't look any different from someone that's unsaved. That is not supposed to be that way. We are supposed to be men who look different, who look different, act different, talk different, and react differently. We have the ability to have self-control over anger, over pride. We don't have to react like a secular person would to something that really kind of gets us, you know. We don't have to react in anger. We don't have to react in bad language. We don't have to react. Another big one is you see a lot of guys, they go to church and they go to this denomination or whatever, and they tell, I mean, the jokes they tell and the things they talk about, they're just so unbecoming of that of a man of God. And they're over, they, they are 
extremely fleshy. We're not supposed to be men like that. We're supposed to grab a hold of ourselves and be men who are examples to the rest of the men out there that we are men who are men of self-control. And listen, without without self-control in Christian men, we see that impact that it has on our lives, it has on our marriages, it has on our kids, and it has on society. Listen, when men turn away from God, when they seek significance, security, and satisfaction through the desires of the flesh, it leads to a blatant absence of self-control. We are not supposed to seek significance, security, and satisfaction through the desires of the flesh. And you will fight this every day as a constant battle, but we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us to be a uh, victorious man of God in all these areas. So by the time you're done with this, and as we're going through this today, you should be having images of things in your mind that you know you got to deal with and that you got to get control over. And yes, again, like I said, we see it in the church, a blatant absence of men of God with self-control. They don't have self-control over their fleshly desires. It's why you see, um, you know, affairs going on and divorces happening because, you know, I know sometimes it could be the other side, but maybe it's a man who's not controlling himself and and his uh, sensual appetites and it leads him into something. And a lot of times it happens with them even knowing that they're doing it, but they can't stop themselves. We have to be men who can stop ourselves, stop on a dime, grab a hold of and let our self-control rise at the top and keep us where we need to be within God's kingdom. Amen. Um, I have seen and known people. I've known Christian men, Christian men in ministry who are greatly talented, skilled, um, with great promise in their life, and yet they did not possess at some point in their life self-control over their fleshly passions. They ended up in dishonor, some in disaster, some in death, all because of their inability to control their bodies, all because of their inability to control their bodies. I have seen Christian men who because of a lack of self-control never enjoy this life or they're continually discredited from any higher purpose and they cannot be used by God because they don't have self-control. God can't use a man who can't control his fleshly appetites. He can't use a man greatly who can't control that. These type of men go four steps forward and 10 steps back because of specific areas of their life that they cannot exercise self-control over. And Proverbs 25, 28 tells us, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Let me read that again. Proverbs 25, 28, the book of wisdom says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, he said, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So even Paul was, was afraid of what his body could do. So in order to be victorious, he says, I discipline my body and I made it my slave 
because he was concerned about so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. A lack of self-control will disqualify you. Again, self-control in Christian men is vital. And we're talking to men today. It's, it's vital in every person who calls themselves a child of God. But we are targeting men today. Men need to be challenged. Men need to be instigated to live holy lives, that live lives that honor and glorify God on a daily basis. And we need self-control because we cannot be successful in life the Bible way when you cannot control those passions and temptations that can dishonor, discredit, and ultimately destroy you. And I say, again, for some people, it's a very noticeable area, like adultery or pornography. Seems to be a big problem in the church with men. They're not getting, they're not grabbing a hold of self-control and dealing with that. That's something that every man can have victory over. You just gotta, you just gotta start spending time in prayer. You gotta start allowing the Holy Spirit to operate in your lives to lead you and guide you and listen to Him when He tells you turn that thing off. That's one of the ways you're gonna find a, 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 the ability to be an overcomer in that area. Oh, maybe it's something simply like impatience, a lack of self-control. You, you're impatient. You you worry. Uh, you uh, are bent on materialism. You lust. You quit what you start. Maybe there's, an, again, an alcohol, drugs, an anger problem. How about a critical spirit or the, the refusal to give affection? A man who can't put himself under authority, rebellion, unforgiveness. That's a huge one. But these things are all a lack of self-control that Christian men need to grab a hold of and begin to overcome and to begin to be more than conquerors over these areas of their life. All these things I just mentioned and the things I've mentioned, these appetites of the flesh, that's what it is. The Bible calls it your flesh. Paul called it the body of our vile state, which means as well the body of our humiliation. And I will guarantee you that if you live a life without self-control, it will humiliate you. Paul also called it the old man. He called it the body of our death. And in Romans 7.24, Paul said, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? He dealt with this same thing. That obviously Paul overcame this. He was able to walk as a man of self-control because he was mightily used by God to build his kingdom. And I repeat, for Christian men who, without self-control, their appetites for comforts and pleasures can easily become their master and lead them into sin and hinder them in their spiritual walk. Listen, one thing you don't want if you call yourself a Christian man. Now, I know a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they've never truly accepted, repented, believed, and confessed Christ as their Savior. So if you're out there and you call yourself a Christian man and you died today and you're not sure if you go to heaven, you need to give your lives to Christ because you never know what tomorrow holds. But for the Christian men out there who know that you're, even you that know that you are born again, you cannot, don't live your life in a way that your spiritual walk is hindered by sin because you don't have self-control in your life. You only got one shot at life. You're not going to come back again and get another opportunity. You got one shot. 
You say, well, I'm going to make it into heaven anyway. Really? Is that the kind of attitude that you want to have? I'm going to get to heaven anyway? Or do you want to do while you're here? Remember, you're going to go stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ where he will uh, deal with those things that you've done for the kingdom or the things that you've wasted your time on. And we want to be men who take advantage of the time that we have and live as men who walk in the power of God by the Holy Spirit because we are men who live in self-control. And listen, if the spiritual does not govern the physical, we can become easy targets for the devil due to our lack of self-control. The good news, though, here's the good news in all this. In the life of a believer, it's been dethroned. It's called crucified. Its power is broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. But yes, it is still present. And it's a live grenade that lays in your pathway. It's like a rattlesnake that's always there waiting to strike. And it's something that no degree can help you with, no amount of IQ, no physical power, no talent, no beauty, no strength, no accomplishments that you have can deal with it and give you victory over it because it waits to destroy your life. And one of the main things it waits to destroy is your testimony. I have seen, again, ministers destroy their ministries with a complete understanding of what they were doing because of their flesh that no, had no self-control over their passions and their lusts. I've watched Christian men due to adultery, pornography, anger, illegal business practices, who knew all the information, they removed themselves from ministry because of the inability to deal with their flesh. In other words, they had no self-control over these areas of their life. And whatever, wherever you are here in the U.S. or you're listening to this and you're from another nation, for every man out there, you have the ability to be more than a conqueror to overcome these things. And I will say this, you know, some I need to go to a counselor. Well, what you need to do is you need to start praying every day. You need to get up in the morning before you go to work and count the cost of what it is to really be a disciple and get up early, you know, give up some sleep time and spend time with God for an hour and pray and seek his face and draw close to him. That's going to help you be more than a conqueror. That's going to help you fight that uh, those desires of your flesh to get you to stumble and fall. That's what's going to help build you up and strengthen you. It's not going to be the gym. It's going to be your prayer life. It's going to be your devotional time. It's going to be your time allowing the word, not just skimming over the word, but allowing the word to get down in you and make changes in your life. Whatever area that you're dealing with, whatever area of flesh that uh, is controlling you or this, that is that is causing you to lose self-control, you need to grab a hold of that, grab a hold of that now and get it under control and start to live out your life as a man of God who's making a difference within the kingdom of God because of the way you live. You will never be a proper soul winner, which we're all supposed to be doing, if you live as a man without self-control. And I'll repeat this again. You cannot be successful in life the Bible way when you can't control these passions of your flesh nature, that can ruin you. Self-control is vital and you have to gain control. But someone says, well, how do I do it? Okay, the word I'm going to, and we're going to get into some points here. 
the word, prayer, how do I live as a man victoriously in self-control? First of all, before we get to these bullet points, it's important to understand that self-control, again, as we've been mentioning throughout this whole thing, self-control is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of the individual. Again, the fruit of the Spirit lives in you, and it's the fruit of the Spirit that helps you with the ability and the power to deal with things that would cause you to give in or to override your self-control. It's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that gives Christians the power and the ability to exercise self-control so that we will not be mastered by the cravings of sinful man. One of the shames of the church today is they don't preach enough about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes some churches are afraid to even talk about the Holy Spirit because they think people are going to get out of bounds and be weird. But listen, you can be so full of the Holy Spirit and not be weird at all. Believe me, I am. I'm not weird. And I'm full of the Holy Spirit because I make a decision every day to get up and pray and to spend time with God and to make sure that I'm living in a way where the Spirit can fully fill me up with His power and His anointing. Do I, do I have to fight with things? Yeah, we all have to fight with things because that's the way it is. You know, our flesh fights with us daily. But I'm going to help you a little bit more here in a minute and give you some points on how you can be victorious. But... You've got to let the Spirit do His work in you. It's not just you trying to do it on your own. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, or in other words, of self-control. So true Christian men are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weaknesses, which makes us able to say no to sin. And before I give you these seven things that are going to help you deal with your flesh and gain self-control, let me say this very quickly. You need to, I don't care what denomination you're from, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to understand, if you don't think he makes a difference, you go to Acts chapter 2 and you look at Peter who lied to young girls around campfires that he that he was that they would ask him you're a follower of Christ he goes no I'm not flat out lie that's a lack of self control there was fear there there was a, 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 he was lying um, over and over again but what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came is Jesus told them to wait in the upper room for a reason because he knew they're never going to be able to go out and accomplish what God had called them to accomplish. They're never going to be able to go out and do the things that Jesus wanted them to do until they got the power from the Holy Spirit. And he came on the day of Pentecost in power. They all got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now they were completely changed. Peter was not the same cowardly man he became bold as a lion and he roared the gospel in front of people those who killed christ he roared the gospel in front of them and people gave their lives to jesus because now here's this cowardly man who now gains self-control over that by the power of the holy spirit amen so you need the spirit to help you ask the holy spirit to fill you every single morning and walk in his power every day so i'm going to give you now seven seven things on how to deal with your flesh and how to gain control, besides what I've already talked to you about. So here's number one. You've got to believe it. What do I mean by that? The day you think that you're not susceptible to destroying your life is the day the decline starts. Every day, we have to deal with our body of flesh. Too many men have said, I thought it could never happen to me. Well, guess what? It can. So you got to come to the understanding that this, I got to believe this is true, and I got to believe that I got to do something about it. Point number two. 
you have to illumine your sin in the light of the Bible. Our nature is, as Proverbs 14.9 says, fools mock at sin, but the righteous seeks to discern his way. In other words, righteous men, true Christian men, get introspective about their sin. Psalms 139.23 says that David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Godly men don't explain away their actions. They don't justify their sinfulness. They walk in the light. Search me, O God, and know my heart. David said in Psalms 19.14, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Our flesh nature wants to cover it up. Adam sinned and covered up and hid. But we, as Christian men, who want to fulfill what God's called us to do, we um, we must expose it to ourselves and then deal with it. Point number three, you need to reckon it dead. In other words, this is our base of operations, that those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And through your rebirth with Jesus Christ, who conquered sin and rose from the dead, your flesh does not have to destroy you. Praise God. Hallelujah. You, It has been crucified in you. You are born again. You are not the old man anymore. You're a new man. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that you're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away and everything becomes new. It's telling you right there that you're new. You have an ability to now to not do what you used to do before you were saved. We have a different mind, a different conscience. We have the ability not to destroy our lives. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't have to do this or I don't have to do that. I don't have to go there. I don't have to react that way. I'm in alliance with someone who is stronger than me and who is victorious and has given me the ability to overcome the desires of my flesh. Number four, whenever you feel the inevitable inclinations of your flesh, you jam it with the truth. What do I mean? Well, that's the purpose of the Bible. It jams air. The Bible brings you to a fork in the road whereby you choose, you choose to relinquish your rights and then submit to God and resist the devil. You need to be a man that's willing to resist the devil by submitting yourself to God's authority. Submit yourself, bring yourself under God. That's why we memorize scripture because the Bible jams this uh, this sin with error. Psalms 119.4 says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. One of the greatest benefits of scripture memorization is when something, if you have a particular problem you deal with, you need to find scripture verses that are uh, that deal with that situation or deal with a lack of self-control. And whenever you're uh, coming into that time where you feel like your flesh is bombarding you, that's where you need to, because you've memorized these things, you need to bring this out of your heart and use it as the sword of the spirit. That's what's going to give you the ability to walk in victory as well, that you use the word of God against your flesh 
like a sword of the Spirit, and it is the sword of the Spirit that's going to give you the victory in those areas of your life. The Word of God. Memorize it, guys. Get it down in you. Memorize those scripture verses that are going to help you walk in victory. Number five, you starve your body. What do I mean? If you have a drinking problem, you don't have lunch at a bar and grill. You don't go where the temptation is. You make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust, Romans 13, 14 says. Uh, let's, you know, in, in regards to television, cable television or whatever, however you get your internet television, uh, all those HBO, Showtime, all those kind of things, you need to starve that out of your life. If it's the internet, whatever it is, you need to starve that out of your life. That internet is eating men up. You need to starve yourself from that. You need to remove that stuff from your life. Number six, surround yourself with wisdom. So you're saying, I'm going to put myself in the counsel of godly men or godly friends. I am not going to be an imitator of evil, but I'm going to imitate those that do good. Surround yourself with godly people. Surround yourself with other godly men. And can I say this? If, if you're in the midst of someone, and sometimes we're so afraid to, and uh, I've caught myself in this, if we're around people and oh, we don't want to offend anybody, so they're talking dirty or talking this way, we should, as Christian men, especially if they call themselves a Christian man, we should look at them and say, hey, man, can I help you with something? You know, check your mouth. What are you saying there? Is that giving glory to God? I think sometimes we need to hold ourselves accountable. So I'll challenge you on that, and I'll challenge myself, challenge myself on that as well. Okay, number seven, you must cleanse yourself when you sin. Here we go. The blood of Jesus, it cleanses us from all sin. The Bible says, if I, re if I regard iniquity in my heart, you will not hear my prayers. So when you sin, when you make a mistake, you need to stop right there and confess it to God. Godly men are those who in their lives don't just roll past actions. They submit their thoughts and their actions to the light of God, his word, and his holiness, and they stop and say, forgive me. And you do it immediately because you're going to know if you are really saved, you're going to know that you have grieved the spirit, but you're going to sense it in your spirit that you have done something wrong. You need to not let that go on because here's the thing. If you don't deal with your sin, an abnormal thing becomes normal to you. I said, if you don't deal with your sin, an abnormal thing becomes normal to you. Sin will wear a groove in you to where you can't feel it anymore. And that's a bad place to be. So, when you mess up, you have to have the character, the spirituality, and the absence of pride to put the brakes on and deal with it right then and right there. Because if not, you'll get eliminated from joy and service in the kingdom. And I ask you this question very emphatically and seriously. Is there any sin so wonderful in your life that it's worth your ministry, your marriage, your friendships, your family, or your finances? Remember the story in Genesis 39 about Joseph. Such a great example. Joseph was, it's, he's described as this well-built young man, very good looking. The Bible describes him that way. Um, 
That's why Joseph's masters, his wife, the ma Joseph's master, his wife, would look straight at Joseph and proposition him over and over again. Come on, come on, let's let's have a little sex. And verse eight of Genesis thirty-nine says, "But he refused, telling his master's wife, look, my master doesn't have to worry about anything in the house with me in charge, and he has entrusted everything into my care." Verse nine of Genesis thirty-nine it says, "No one has more authority in this house than I do. He has withheld nothing from me except you, and that's because you're his wife. So how can I commit such a horrible evil?" How can I sin against God? Verse 10 says, she kept on talking to him like this day after day, but he wouldn't listen to her. Not only would he refuse to have sex with her, he refused to even stay around her. And verse 11 says, one day though, he went into the house to do his work. None of the household servants were inside. So she grabbed Joseph by his other garment, outer garment and demanded, basically, let's have some sex. And Joseph, it says that Joseph ran. That's the way you got to be as a true man of God. You got to have enough self-control. You don't give in to these things, but you run from it. Men, you must present your body a living sacrifice. You must present your body a living sacrifice. Because unless there is self-control, over those passions that dishonor, discredit, and ultimately destroy you, you will never be truly successful. Amen. So let me close with this. If you do not have God's self-control operating through you, you will have, again, you'll have little victory over those things like pornography, bad tempers, uh, unforgiving attitudes, critical attitudes, and those vices like smoking and alcohol abuse, etc. But once the Holy Spirit starts this sanctification process within you, once he starts coming after your flesh appetites, you need to be prepared for some major battles and tug of wars with him. But if you're willing to yield to the Holy Spirit, if you will allow him to start to work self-control into your life, then you'll find yourself starting to grow in ways and in areas that you never thought were possible. His, listen, the power, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit will blow you away once you see how far he can really take you in becoming the person or the man of God that God wants you to become in him. Self-control is for all of us to live out and men self-control. Christian men, everyone listening to this here or in the nations of the world, every Christian man listening to this right now, self-control is vital in your life if you want to fulfill the things that God has called you to do. You need to be a man of the kingdom. You need to be a man that has a vision to do great things for God, but you'll never accomplish those things yeah, you'll go to heaven, you'll go to your grave, you'll be resurrected, you'll go into heaven, but guess what? You will have never accomplished the things while you've been on earth that God has called you to accomplish. I ask this again, is any sin worth you not accomplishing God's purposes for your life? That's why we need self-control. We need to have and allow the Holy Spirit to work with us that we become men of great self-control. Amen. Let me pray for you guys right now. 
Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name on behalf of every man that may be listening to this right now, wherever they may be, wherever they may be in the world. I pray for them to get the understanding that they are dealing with their flesh every day and they know it even as we've been doing this they've sensed it they've heard the spirit speaking to them and i pray today that they would be men who would submit themselves to you lord god they would submit themselves under your authority they would allow the holy spirit they would call on the spirit to fill them full in their lives so that they can now begin to watch the spirit work in them that sanctification process and that work that work in them that's going to begin to give them the ability to have self-control over those vile passions and lusts that have been dragging them down and hindering their walk with you lord i pray for strength in them i pray that they would all again come to the throne of god actively and confess these sins before you and as they're confessing their sins before you, they're getting purified. And when they are, the Spirit can now fill them up in those areas that sin was taking the place of their heart. And now they can begin to walk as a man of God who's fully filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that's going to give them the ability to be more than conquerors. It's going to give them the ability to be men who can overcome all those passions of the flesh. I thank you for men of God becoming the men of God that you have called them to be. For these men of God who are listening to become the men of God you've called them to be and live out their days on this earth, accomplishing everything that you have called them to accomplish, all because they are walking now as men who have self-control over their flesh. They are winning the daily battle of the flesh. I thank you for these guys. I thank you for these guys. I use them, bless them, let their lives be changed forever. Give them that strength, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen and amen. Well, you know what? Praise God for you guys for listening to this today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I've done two previous podcasts, one called True Men Needed, and the one previous to this was called Men of Integrity. You need to listen to all those, be challenged, and become the man of God that God has called you to be. Amen. So remember, Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. Jesus still sets the captives free. From this day on, live all out for God. Amen. God bless you.